Welcome to the Susquehanna Valley Baptist Pulpit, preaching a life worth living, abundant life in Christ. And now the message. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want to read a few passages of Scripture and get to our lesson this morning on the purpose of the rapture. We've been speaking for a couple of weeks on eschatological themes, and I think it's important for us to consider a little bit more in this lesson, as we did in previous lessons, on the relationship of the New Testament believer in tribulation, and also, as we will do this morning, on the purpose of the rapture. In 1 Thessalonians, look in chapter number 4. I uh, hear the Thessalonian believers struggling to some regard with knowing what's going to happen regarding those that are dead and are not present uh, for the coming of Jesus Christ, which historically would be, would be all of them now. Uh, what would happen to them? Well, notice here in the text, he said, But brethren, but I would not, I'm in verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 4, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them that are, which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet our Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And just for continuity's sake, verse 18, wherefore comfort one another with these words. And as you read this, you'll note missing a great word that is missing yet. And that is the word rapture. You'll find nowhere in these four or five verses that we've read of this term rapture, R-A-P-T-U-R-E, that we have the intent of speaking on this morning. In fact, if you continue to look, uh, you'll find that word, R-A-P-T-U-R-E, nowhere in any passage of scriptures from Genesis 1, clean down to the conclusion of Revelation. And someone might ask, well, why would we talk about a doctrine that's not in the Bible at all? Well, there's a couple of reasons why. First off, it is actually in the scriptures. I, I want you to notice this phrase in verse 17. I tried to emphasize it when we're reading. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Caught up. The Greek word there is harpazo. Harpazo. Now that phrase, called up, is used several times in the New Testament. I'd likely think one of the first times is in Acts chapter 8 and verse 39. Peter had just finished baptizing uh, the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, they had come upon the pool of water. They both go down into the water. He is baptized as they come out thence. The scripture says, and Philip was called up. And he arrives elsewhere and continues to preaching in those areas. He's snatched away from the presence of the eunuch into the predetermined by sovereign hand of God place that God would have him. Um, if you will, he was called away. He was called away. Same here is the reference given in verse number 17. We might also look into Jude 23. In Jude 23 it talks about the preaching of the gospel and contending for the faith uh, and even aiding those who are caught up in, in false doctrine. And in that matter, he says, pulling them out of the fire, the fire of false doctrine, if you will. Pulling them, the word harpazo, snatching them away. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you have this verse in, I think it's in verse 2 and in verse 4, Peter, or rather Paul, he's speaking of a time, he says, I, I knew a man once, space a number of years ago, I know not, rather he's in the body of the Spirit, 
but he was called up into the third heaven. And he illustrates this again in verse number four and again, called up. And he sees and hears things that's unlawful for a man to say and to see. He said, I don't know if I was dead or alive. I, I believe he's talking about himself there. But nonetheless, he was called away, called up, if you will, harpazoed. Uh, another time that it's used in the 23rd chapter of the book of Acts. Paul, again, in reference to this. He's been begged not to go back to Jerusalem by the saints, particularly those at Ephesus, but he goes. While he's there, there's a great conspiracy of the Jews to put him to death. When the Roman guards hear of this, they, he sends the soldiers. The captain guard sends the soldier in chapter 23. And he said, I want you to take that guy by force. The idea, Harpazo, yank him out of there. Why? Wow, there's impending trouble upon him. And as you think of this, all of these phrases, caught up, caught away, take by force. It all is underscored by this Greek word, harpazo, harpazo. And it, what is interesting to know is you would say, well, that word and caught up is not the same as word rapture. Where do we get the word rapture? Well, uh, it is because throughout the scriptures, when it was moving from the Greek into the English, it went by way of Latin. Such would also be true of many of the romantic languages of, uh, uh, of mainland Europe. And the word rapture comes from thence. Uh, to rapture has the idea of catching away, snatching by first. But if you prefer, this morning we could talk about the snatching away of the saints. It's the same consideration. The rapture, that snatching of the saints in your notes, is one of the mysteries that is found in the New Testament. Old Testament prophets and believers knew nothing of this doctrine. It was hidden in Christ and not revealed into the New Testament later in the New Testament time frame. Perhaps, and let's look at this passage here in Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. This is perhaps the earliest reference that you'll find. But perhaps the earliest allusion to this singular reference is made in Luke chapter 21 and verse 36. And he's talking again, this is akin to the Olivet Discourse. And while he's talking of this, he mentions something. Uh, the Lord Jesus does. He says, watch therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy. Here's an interesting phrase. To escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. How are you going to escape these things? Well, uh, this is... Uh, not the revelation of the mystery, but it's an allusion to something that is to come by which a believer, because that's who he's referencing here, his disciples, and future believers might be able to escape this tribulation. Christ did not reveal this mystery. It would be Paul that would do thus. Paul would do this, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Notice, if you will, in verse 51, he said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Paul would reveal this mystery. Now, the mystery is not a uh, murder she wrote or uh, diagnosis murder, some kind of discovery in that sense that Paul discovered something that no one knew, but rather it has to do with those things that are hidden in Christ. God all alone from eternity past had the plan and format established through foreknowledge. Because of such at his appointed time, these things will be underway. 
And under his appointed time, these things will be revealed unto his saints. And it was not until the time of Apostle Paul where God, through the Holy Spirit of God, to the heart of the Apostle Paul, revealed this grand mystery as it pertains to the New Testament saints, which also was a mystery. Uh, prior to the revealing of this mystery, the disciples had no idea how they or future believers would escape the end times. In a second passage, the revelation of the how is made known. Now, as a pastor read just a moment ago, believers would be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. It speaks nothing of them descending. It speaks nothing of God descending, as Zechariah would say, and putting his feet upon the Mount of Olives, but rather saints meeting the Lord in the air. This passage reveals the means by which the, the believers will escape the tribulation that certainly shall come. And there are with this several purposes for the rapture in the New Testament. And let's look at just a few of these in Ephesians chapter 5 and John chapter 4. We'll, we'll move down through these over the next few moments. I think the rapture, the scripture teaches that it is the Lord's means of receiving his saints unto himself. John chapter 14, John chapter 14 and verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And then he goes on, he said, I go away, but if I go away, I'll come again and I'll receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may also be. Ephesians chapter 5, he would present himself a glorious church, not having spot nor wrinkle. How is it that God is going to present the New Testament saint before the Father? He'll do so by means of the rapture. It is God's means of receiving his saints unto himself. Number two, it is the Lord's means by which the dead in Christ are raised from the grave. 1 Corinthians 15, we're there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 21, he talks about every man, verse 23, in his own order. Christ being the first fruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. And that's a marvelous thing. The New Testament saints, they that are Christ, Christ was first. Uh, those that preceded him with death will wait their rapture until the end of the tribulational period. Christ up from the grave he arose, you know, with a mighty triumph or his foe. He was first and every man preceding him afterwards. So those that have died will rise first. And we which are alive and remain will be called up together with him in the Lord. It is the Lord's mean by which the dead in Christ are raised from the grave. 1 Corinthians 15, in their order, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and following is significant because it particularly states that the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, notice in Philippians, notice in Philippians, if you will, for a third one, Philippians, Philippians chapter number 3. The rapture is also the Lord's means by which the New Testament saints receive their glorified body. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Marvelous indeed that consideration. Yet that is my soul and spirit that are with the Lord. It is not my body. My body uh, and those that have preceded in death, their bodies, uh, mine one day will, theirs is, has been, is in its resting place. It may be in the seas, 
I can think about missionaries that were buried at seas, believing sailors that were buried at seas. It may have been loss. Um, you know, down here in Arlington, Virginia, they've got the tomb of the lost soldier. I don't, uh, I don't know, or, or the unknown soldier, I should say. I, I, I don't know who that individual may be. History may recollect they may have found them already. Uh, the fact is, they were not lost to God, nor His saints. There are, no doubt, saints buried worldwide. His remains are known to no one but God Himself. Um, some buried in cemeteries that dot countries around the world. Some in crypts, as it were. Some whose bones were incinerated. I think about those that died during the time of various inquisitions and reformational periods. Those who were killed by queens whose prefecture was bloody this or bloody that. All of these, the Lord's means by which New Testament saints receive their glorified bodies comes by means of the rapture. Listen to Philippians chapter 3. For our conversation, that's my life, my very being, is in heaven. Colossians, when Christ, which is our life, shall appear. Verse number 5. Verse 20 here. From whence also we look for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're looking for Him. Why? He who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working, whereby He is able even to do all things unto Himself. So I can rest in that knowing that the body of those that have preceded the rapture, they have died in Christ, will be raised from their resting place and be given a glorified body. Number four, it is the means the rapture is. It is the Lord's means by which His saints are called up to heaven to receive their rewards, called up to heaven to receive their rewards and be with Him. We've read to you, John chapter 14. We've referenced Colossians chapter 3. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, For we must all give an account. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about, Let every man, talking to believers, take heed how he buildeth on the foundation that no man can lay that, that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, and that those labors of our life will be judged. And they'll come forth silver and gold and precious stone or wood, hay and stubble. When does this occur? How does this occur? What is the means by which the, the, the believers will meet their Lord in the air in heaven and receive their reward? The means is at the rapture. Those that have died since the time of Christ till now and those that are alive if the rapture happens at this very moment. Number five, it is the means by which saints escape the end times tribulation. Notice, if you will, 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. This is a, a wondrous passage to really consider and even to memorize in your mind. Uh, in fact, it, it correlates quite well with Revelation chapter 6. So have you turn there, if you will, 2 Thessalonians. And, and I, I want to flip over to Revelation. You're there, 2 Thessalonians. Note this, if you will, in chapter uh, uh, 2, chapter 2 and verse 7 and 8. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. He talks about the mystery of iniquity. Am I in the wrong passage? Nope. The mystery of iniquity. 
doth already work, only who now letteth be taken out of the way. Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, the coming, the brightness of his coming. He speaks in these passages and even in 1 Thessalonians, I think as well. He, he, he talks about the necessity of wrath. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ. So the question for some might be, well, when does that happen? The passage I read at 2 Thessalonians eschatologically lies somewhere in the midst of the tribulation. But listen to Revelation chapter 6, really at the onset of the tribulation. For the great, I'm in verse 17, Revelation 6, 17, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who is able to save it? I would submit to you that the wrath of God commences with the opening of the sealed judgments, and the saints aren't present for it. How have they escaped the end times tribulation? They've done so because of the rapture of the saints. Those which are dead in Christ have rise first. We which are alive and remain are called up to meet the Lord in the air. You're in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. A minute ago I read verse 7 and 8. But we keep that in a context. Here is the coming deception that will be upon the world. And he mentions something unique there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He talks about he that letteth, verse number 7, will be taken out of the way. It's an interesting phrase. This brings us to a six means. The rapture is the Lord's means by which the hinderer will be taken out of the way. In 2 Thessalonians, he talks about the deception, the demonic rebellion. Verse number four, he that opposes God, he opposeth and exalteth himself of all that is called God. This son of perdition, verse three, is revealed. And it's a pretty interesting time frame, really. Uh, if Satan, as the scripture indicates, knows not when the coming of the Lord Jesus is, knows not when he can make the pact with the children of Israel and allow temple worship to begin, as Daniel so eloquently describes in the ninth chapter. The question is, what's happened over the last 2,000 years? Because Paul has written, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. The reality is demonic evil that will bring to pass ultimately the domination of this future prince that shall come has been underway for 2,000 years. Now that is not to say that the Antichrist is an eternal being. But rather I would submit to you that in every age it would seem to me that the Antichrist or at least the Satan, the evil one's son of perdition has always been prepared. In the 1800s, there was one prepared, had that been the time frame. In the 1900s and the 1950s and the 2000s and even down now, there's always that, that uh, uh, individual that will be the minion of the evil one to accomplish his purposes. And you say, what's preventing it? Well, he that preventeth, it's not civil government. It's not civil government. It's not military might. It's not the works of the flesh. In fact, I would say in a greater part, it's not even believers that are hindering, though they are salt and light. But rather it is the sovereign plan of God through the agency of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, that is hindering all of the evil that kill one day come as it pertains to the wrath of God. And so the rapture is that means by which the hinder be taken out of the way. So the question is, how do you remove a member of the Godhead mightily? How do, how do you remove him? And I would submit to you by the rapture of the saints. You'll remove his greatest possession. 
Jane, John chapter 15, the comfort shall come. He'll teach you all things. We're told in Ephesians chapter 1, the moment of our obedience to salvation, that we receive the indwelling, the sealing, I believe it's called there in Ephesians 1, and also in Ephesians 4, the sealing of the Holy Ghost. Well, there's going to be a moment in time, friend, at that rapture, where there'll be no Christians left on the face of the earth. Now, I should note here, that does not mean that there will not be people attending churches. I suppose there's going to be Baptist churches that will go right along having services as any other denomination, uh, denominational or non-denominational or trans-denominational or Catholic or, or uh, 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 cult-type worship that exists. They'll go right on. There'll be many people that won't miss a beat with them. His saints he will not miss. But those that are engaged in religiosity, those that have immersed themselves in just, just the practice of moralism, well, they're short of the glory of God. And they are not in Christ. Because they are not in Christ, they will not be raptured at His coming. The rapture is the means by which the hinderer is taken out of the way. Notice seventh reason. The rapture is the means, the Lord's means, by which the Antichrist is, or will be, I should say, revealed. You'll note there in those particular passages, there's first this falling away and the son of man, the son of sin, the man of sin, the son of perdition shall be apocalypto, revealed. Well, know who that is. If the rapture happens, can happen today, that means that son of perdition has to be on the horizon. He's got to be involved and associated. He's got to be in present in the working places of powers and principalities that be at this very moment. But at the rapture, he'll be revealed. He'll move to the essence of all that is. He'll take the world as it will by storm. And what will be that which unlocks the door and allows him to be revealed is none other than the rapture of the New Testament saint. That brings us to a final thought. With the rapture being that great way of escape, that snatching away by force from a place of danger into a place of security, how do we qualify for it? I would not want to miss the escape of tribulation. What must I do to qualify for it? Well, to qualify for the rapture, the individual needs to be in Christ. It's amazing that phrase, number of times in the book of Romans, in Christ. In a greater sense, that's salvation. In a practical sense, that is receiving all of the blessings that Christ has now being bestowed upon me. The only way I have an invitation to the rapture, the only way I have an invitation to the presence of the Almighty God, the only way that I can rest eternally secure in Him is that if I be found in Christ. For if I'm found in Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, even that old judgment and old wrath and old destiny. It's all passed away. And all things have become new. A new name, a new destiny, a new home, a new presence, a new person, a new God. Wondrous privilege it is. I must be in Christ. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The dead in Christ will rise first. We which are alive in Christ 
will not precede them that are asleep. Those in Christ are those that have been obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are those new creatures that is mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And they will ever be with the Lord. Now I said a moment ago that there'll be a time in that future day at the rapture, shortly after the rapture, very shortly after the rapture, there'd be no saints here upon the face of the earth. But what is interesting to us, if we were to take the time and look in Revelation, uh, I quoted to you, uh, or read to you rather, chapter 6 just a moment ago. But when you peruse throughout the context of Revelation, you come to chapter 7, the day of wrath is upon us. And I believe that commences at the outset of those seven years with that pact of the evil one and coinciding shortly all this after the rapture of the saints. Chapter 7 is the mention of 144,000 believers of Jewish demographic that will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they are going to go to the four winds. It says in chapter 1, of, uh, or rather verse 1 of chapter 7, After these things I saw four angels standing on the corners of the earth, holding four winds of the earth, the winds that they should not blow on the earth, nor the sea on any of the tree. And I saw another angel descending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt not the earth and sea, Till we have, verse number three, I'm moving ahead, nor the trees, or not the earth, neither the trees, nor the, uh, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their forehead. And I heard the number of them sealed, which were 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. That's a powerful consideration. You've got 144,000, I'm going to call them Jewish evangelists. You say, why? Verse nine. After this, he's given the list of all of these 12,000 that are sealed out of the various tribes. A great multitude, which no man can number, of all the nations, kindred, people, tongues, stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. Uh, it's a powerful consideration. These are 144,000 on heaven, uh, on earth. There seems to be a, a number of hosts of, and this is, this is interesting, people, tongue, languages, moving in a great end. But these 144,000 saints will continue. And they'll preach of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 14, He said unto me, These are they that came out of the tribulation. They have washed their robes and made white in the blood of the Lamb. It's powerful here in these passages. The Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and lead them unto the living fountains of the waters. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There's going to be a host of folks that come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. According to Romans chapter 9 through 11, Primarily, many of them will be Jewish. Though there will be some Gentiles, because there's the dividing of the nations that's mentioned in Matthew chapter 25, the judgment. So what happens to those? Well, they were saved after the rapture. So as of such, those saved by faith during the tribulational years that are not martyred, because there'll be a host of them that are martyred, their voices crying out under the altar of God, how long, O God, how long? But those that are not martyred will enter the millennial reign as earthly people and they'll be subjects of Christ's kingdom. And these individuals that are not martyred and they're saved by grace and they have entered in through, uh, through survivorship, if you will. They have survived the tribulation. They'll come into the millennial kingdom. 
and they'll marry and they'll have children and their children's children and their children's children's children. And each subsequent generation having married and having children that are given into marriage, that are married and have children, and they will continue for a thousand years upon this earth. And the kingdom of God will be here for a thousand years. Satan is bound. And God will rule for a thousand, a thousand years with a rod of iron, Isaiah speaks of. And during that time, no war, no pestilence, no deception. It'll be a wondrous age. These earthly people, saints of the tribulation era, will be subjects of Christ's kingdom over who the raptured saints will reign. Time will not allow us to go through all of the list of passages that you see there. But I think, of course, of Revelation 20 and verses 4 through 9 that mentions of these things. Of chapter 6, he has in verse number 9 through 11, uh, those uh, saints that are present there. We could also look at Revelation 4 and 5, that the uh, uh, in Christ saints that are before the throne represented by the 24 elders. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 12, For if we'll suffer with him, we shall reign with him. All of this in speaking of what happened. The rapture saints, those that have died since the death of Jesus Christ till now, will not prevent them. They'll rise first and they'll receive their glorified body. And we which are alive and remain at that coming will be transformed We'll be transformed. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Metamorphosis is the idea. I, I think of this in a very personal way. I think of most of one of my legs being all titanium, and in a moment I'm going to leave all that behind. And I'll have a body. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 and 21, like unto his glorious body. What's the purpose of the rapture? It's God's means of receiving his saints. It's God's means, the Lord's means, of, by which the dead in Christ are raised from the grave. It's the Lord's means by which the saints receive their glorified body. It's the Lord's means by which saints are called up to heaven to receive their rewards. It's the Lord's means by which saints escape in time's tribulation. It's the Lord's means by which the hinderer are taken out of the way. And it's the Lord's means by which the Antichrist shall be revealed. There is at the very least, at least a sevenfold purpose for the harpazo, the catching away, the snatching away, the taking of God's saints by force, or as we all know in our colloquial expression, the rapture of the saints. May God add blessing to his word. Father. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us, please write us at P.O. Box 126 541 Harrisburg, Pennsylvania 17112 and visit our website at www.svbcpa.org Until next time, 